0: Welcome to Talk Music to Me. This is episode four, and I'm super excited for our guest that we have here today. He is an international performer, an innovative educator. He's the author of the Amazon best selling book, Show Up, Unlocking the Power of Relational Networking. He is currently the founder and executive director of Revolution of Hope, which is an arts for social change initiative in Boston, whose flagship program is the Roxbury Youth Orchestra. He was recently named a top 40 urban innovator under 40 in the US, and he is a top 100 most influential people of color in Boston. In 2009 he became the concert master of the first orchestra auditioned on the internet, the YouTube Symphony. He has been featured in the New York Times, NBC Night- Nightly News, the BBC Radio, Time magazine and he recently spoke at Tedx spinway and inbound 2017 so please welcome to talk music to me David France David I am okay. so excited to have you here with me today
1: hey Aaron it is such an honor to be on your show thank you so much for the invitation. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. It really is.
0: So, we recently met at Brandon Adams' event in Los Angeles. Live to grind. Yeah. How Which
1: was fun. Amazing.
0: Yeah, that <laughs> was such an awesome weekend.
1: Yeah, it, w- it was such a great weekend. And I-, I feel like I've been to so many different con- conferences, big and small, and there's so few um, gatherings of people that are action packed and just so full of people who are there, not only just to learn, but to invest in the other people that are there. Right. And so it was such an amazing weekend of just power. Anyone in the audience could have been on the stage.
0: I agree. Absolutely. 500 percent there. I made so many great connections. And, you know, a lot of times you go to conferences and, you know, there's there's, of course, people you want to meet. But you don't really walk away with just like an awesome connection, yeah. and I felt like I connected with so many people, and like they were all in different, either parts or aspects or industries. There, it, it was just a wide variety.
1: Yeah, there, there were so many different genres of people, whether from real estate or Facebook ads or music or right. It, it was it was so diverse, but I feel like. Everyone had, I guess, the same mission l- to live to grind, and I think, I think when I think when people are really trying to provide value to other people and and really trying to make a difference in the world, I think there's a foundational commonality between those people that um, that really permeates and and goes beyond the differences.
0: Well, and I think I think the same could be said about you because I feel like you're you're kind of I mean you've got. Your musical background, but then you're also, you know, a, a social change person and you're doing, you're like putting so much good out there in the world. And I just, I love that.
1: Well, thank you so much. Um, I think for me, I, I had a, a life changing experience. So, so I love traveling and I often travel with, with no money. And so, and, and when I travel, I like to just get lost in a city. Yeah. So once I was lost in the city of Brussels, and um I was wandering around Brussels, and I came upon a, a violin shop, and I'm a violinist. So it kind of made sense to kind of just to walk in and check out this violin shop. So I walk in, and I, and I see a luthier. I see a violin maker, and he's fixing violins, and that's what I expect to see. But before I go over to him, he moves to another counter, and he starts serving coffee. And so when <laughs> my eyes pan, it was crazy. So when I, when my eyes pan over... And, I, and to this other counter, I noticed that there were tables there and that there were people. So I walk up to him and I said, uh, what is this? And he said, it's a violin shop and a coffee shop. And he and he told me that as a violin maker, he was also a really social guy and making violins was too lonely. So he built a coffee shop onto his violin-making studio. And um, that moment really, it just, like, fireworks went off in my head and, um, it just, I realized that um, well, well, that violin maker in Brussels, he found what I now call the un- unique intersection of who he is. So like, the moral isn't that we should all go out and build violin-themed coffee shops, but I think we each can find our unique intersection. So for me, I had this, and have this love for music, but also growing up, I just saw that there were issues in the world that I wanted to help solve, and so really combining my love for music with social justice is is now my is now my unique intersection.
0: I absolutely love that. Um, that's just I love that you know his story was he realized that he was lonely just doing the you know the violin work and figured out a way to bring it all together so that he gets to, you know, kind of have the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people find themselves kind of stuck or frustrated because m- maybe they don't realize that they actually can combine their unique intersections. And so we're, we're looking at models yeah. that maybe aren't perfect for us. Maybe we see another musician or another artist that's doing something, we say, well, I'm kind of like that, but I'm not exactly like that. And so a lot of people are just kind of butting their head against the wall, just trying to fit into a mold when actually what the world needs from them is for them to really become who they actually are.
0: That I agree. I agree. 500%. So, I want I want to move into, uh, I've, I've put together some questions for you. I've, I've been super excited, especially, uh, I watched your your NBC Nightly News feature the other day, and I just think what you're doing is so cool. So, I, I kind of want to take a step back and go back to when you were younger. And so, did you grow up in a musical family, or what what led you to to music and the
1: violin yeah so um my parents my mother and father they come from the Caribbean an island called St. Kitts and Nevis it's a a double island yeah I've actually been there (laughs) awesome um I think I'm going there next week actually um and um so they actually moved to the United States and kind of in the pursuit of the American dream so they they thought hey like we can have a a new life in this new country Mm -hmm. and so growing up my parents always told me and my siblings that we could be whatever we wanted to be but most of my siblings they all ran track and i kind of thought why run when you can eat you know and so um so i didn't really i didn't really know what i wanted to. i I knew i wanted to eat but um i (laughs) know i I didn't want to want to run but when i was six years old um at my elementary school they brought us down to the cafeteria and someone played a number of the string instruments violin viola cello and then they they said hey everyone close your eyes and imagine what instrument you want to play and um i thought why should i close my eyes when i know i want to play the violin and for some reason I, i just knew that i wanted to play the violin so the next year when i became seven I started the violin in a, in a free um, music program at my elementary school. And I, w- I was really shy growing up. I was so shy that the kids at my school, they, actually, they thought I was mute. And oh. so for me, the violin really, um, really gave me the voice that I needed.
0: Oh, I love that story. So, so violin, first in- instrument. Do you play any other instruments?
1: I don't really claim to play any other instruments um in music school we had to learn a lot of the other instruments, but my mm-hmm. my focus was and love has always been the violin um because i I really was able to like I said I really was able to find my my voice and and there's there's so many pieces that I was able to really express my inner world through the violin yeah, and so the, for me the viol- like the violin like learning the violin was a coming home in a sense and an ability uh-huh. to to really um um express i would say the nuances of my soul through the strings of the violin.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And the violin I I feel like it's just it's such an amazing instrument anyway. So that that's just I love that. Um do you remember the first song you ever learned to play?
1: Well, I do because um I actually teach the same method that okay. uh, that I learned, but I, I remember I remember one day I was learning a part. It was a variation of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. So I took Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and I turned it into variations. And I remember um, this is actually one of my first, this is probably the first memory of a lesson, of a violin lesson. And I was, the, my teacher had taught me one section of it. And it was my new lesson. And the teacher said, This week, we're going to learn the next section of, of the variation. And I remember I said, Oh, you mean this? And I played it for her. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. And so that's my first memory of a lesson, just kind of saying, oh, you're going to teach me something new? Actually, I, I learned it at home.
0: Yeah, I already know it. Thanks, though. <laughs> so I I want to kind of go back to, to that, because let's talk a little bit about what you are doing with the um, Roxbury Youth Orchestra and, and how that all fits into your life.
1: Yeah, so after that great musical experience, um a lot of my later teachers really didn't expect much of me and the violin because I was black. Actually actually growing up, my white friend and my black friends said that playing the violin was for white people. Hmm. And so I, and I, and I, was I didn't know the violin
0: um, had a color
1: <laughs> I didn't either. But I mean, that's what I was told. and and I and I, it was tempting to believe that because so many of the orchestras that I was in, Um, people would say, I've never met a black violin player. And I would say, me neither. And so I just saw just access to stringed instruments weren't, there wasn't really a democratized access to to music, you know, whether it was race or definitely socioeconomic barriers. And so I found myself really, um, fighting and really like demanding the kind of education that i thought i needed to become a professional musician and so i just thought okay like how can i use my my life and my platform to help democratize access to classical music
0: wow so do you have somebody that you can think of or like, I guess who was your biggest influence musically? Was it, you know, those, those teachers or was it somebody, you know, world famous?
1: No, that, that's actually a really good question. So when I was a kid, um, I would go to the library and I would, I would check out as much classical violin music that I could possibly get from the library mm-hmm. and I would and I would listen to all the, to to this music and that's how I learned the violin repertoire is the classical violin repertoire and um one of one one person that I really admired Itzhak Perlman I, I would be listening to his music and and there would be like maybe the the the, the note that had the most passionate piece and I would, when that note was about to come up in the piece uh, Go, run over to my violin, open it up, get it out, and then I would join Itzhak Perlman on that note. And I remember after a while, I thought, you know, I think my note sounds kind of like his note. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but it was really funny. It was just so. Then I thought, hmm, huh, if I can play one note like him, maybe I could play other note. Maybe I could play two notes. Yeah. But it but it was just kind of just being immersed in music and just listening to recording and recording and recording, after recording and then and then sometimes taking my violin out and playing with those recordings and trying to sound like the people that I was listening to. Yeah.
0: So speaking of, I mean, obviously you're still practicing violinists. So how often do you practice and for how long? Is it every day for, you know, a few hours or?
1: So I, I wish I could practice more. I wish I practiced more than I would like to. So I'm not going to tell you my amount, but, um, <laughs> In my life, i practiced up to six and seven hours a day or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, in my life, um, because of the orchestra, I spend a lot of time with the youth orchestra, and I spend a lot of time developing them. It's not so much. But actually, um, as you saw in the NBC story, mm-hmm. I I actually still help to finance the orchestra mm-hmm. by playing in the subway.
0: I so, Yeah. And so... Actually, How is that? Like, because, um, you know, you uh, are you making good money doing that? I mean, obviously, if you're helping fund the orchestra.
1: Yeah, so actually, literally this morning, I played for three hours. Oh, wow. In in the subway. Mm -hmm. And um, usually uh, subway musicians or even street musicians, we don't really say the amount. But but I made way more than I wanted to make in those three hours. And... More than I would make in most jobs in an hour or like in in three hours. Right. And
0: that's so, that's amazing.
1: And and then because I've also it's been really it's been very interesting because I've played in the subway in Boston now for maybe five years. Yeah. People people all, also know me and I,
0: heard, and I was just of... gonna ask that do people recognize you and and know who you yeah.
1: are and what you do? Yeah, people people recognize me and they know what I do and and I have flyers about the orchestra it's actually been it's been the best way to advertise the orchestra because people take the flyers and they're like what's this and they read about it you know and they go online while there and also i've been also um this is very interesting i think more musicians should do that i have a sign that i also now accept venmo so literally every time that i play in the subway people donate online with their card on so
0: you know what's next you need to accept
1: Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, the Bitcoin panel actually in LA was was really huge for me because I want to learn more because I often play very close to MIT, uh-huh. and so that would be super exciting for those MIT people getting off at the MIT stop to see a, a subway musician saying also is accepting Bitcoin. Yeah. So 2018, that's coming. That's coming in 2018.
0: Yeah. Oh that would be very cool. So I've actually never been to Boston, so whenever I make that happen cuz it's on, you know, one of my places I want to want to come or want to go to. When I do that, I hope you're there and then I can come see you perform in the subway.
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll yeah. show you a couple sites as well. I, lo- yeah. I love the city. Yeah. And so awesome. I, I love showing people it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful place.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I will. I'll definitely let you know when when that happens. I don't have any plans to go this year, but you never know. You never know. So, um, you you had mentioned or in what you said over to me, and I think this is so cool. So, you've performed with people like Smokey Robinson, Josh Groban, Kenny Rogers, Quincy Jones. So, my question for you is: Well, it's kind of a two part question. So. Were you nervous to meet them and or play with them?
1: That's that's a good question, actually. So because in my story, like I was telling you, I I as a kid I mostly listened to classical music right. exclusively, mm-hmm. and um, the first time I had ever heard John a John Legend song was. At the rehearsal with John Legend okay. and so I knew who he was because of course I heard his name yeah but it was so interesting sitting on stage with this person that I knew was famous and then he plays a chord on the piano and he opens his mouth then I think wow this guy is amazing <laughs> and so it was more fun just because it's just fun to kind of play with that level of people you know but I wasn't nervous because I wasn't, I wasn't starstruck in the same kind of way as right. someone would be if they had been following their career. But it, 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 it was definitely fun. But the thing that I learned the most, especially from, from Quincy Jones, is that um, the people at the top of their field and, in any genre, whether it's music or anything else, they're, 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 they're the most humble people because I really feel like mm-hmm. they believe that there's so much more that they have to learn mm-hmm. and that they are servants of the art. You know, and so it, that's I think that's the thing I learned the most from working with them. It's that here are these people who are who feel like they are they are in the service of this art form and there's so much more that they have to learn. And so the people that they work with they're they are on a journey with them. Yeah. And so it, it was it's been a, those were really amazing experiences.
0: Yeah. Well, and I I definitely agree with you. I have, I have seen that like across all industries. It is, it's extremely true that, that people really are humble and, you know, a lot of times it's, you get to a certain level and I mean, I think there are some people that are, you know, believe that, oh, I deserve this, but I think that a lot of people are, you know, it's, I worked hard, I've, you know, done the, gone through the process and, you know, I'm here because I did the work. Um, but they want to help bring others up to their level. It's not like they think they're up here and you're down here. They're like, what can we do to get you up here with me? Right? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And, 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 and I think because if, if they feel as if they are still learning, yeah. then the people who are on their way up, they're also still learning. So what what, 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 you're, what you're describing is a community of, of learning, lifelong yep. learning. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Um, so I was going to ask you, so going back to the nervousness part, so is there anybody that you can think of that you would be nervous to meet? Or do you think that, you know?
1: Yeah, I find that I am more nervous playing for people that I know, than people that I than people that I don't know. And so I would actually rather play in the subway for strangers than for my family. Or, or for or, or 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 for you yeah like if, if you came if you came to Boston and you said play for me then I was like oh because I already met you right I would think, I'll be I'll be a little more nervous oh so funny it's, it's it's very interesting how what's going on in the world of my head but yeah so usually people that I don't know yeah I, I, I'm not nervous but if I know them, then, then I'm, then I'm very nervous.
0: So I, I will agree with you because you know you're a speaker. I'm a speaker. Um, I feel the same way. If I'm speaking to a room full of people that I don't know, I feel like I'm better. I'm a better speaker, better performer than if it's a group of everybody I know.
1: Yeah, because yeah, because I feel like if you know if you if you know the person, then then there's there's expectation involved. Where right. if it's a stranger there's a blank slate and you you can kind of create yourself as yeah. you go.
0: Yeah. Although, you know, you when you, you know, are speaking or performing or whatever in front of people that you know, they're often your biggest supporters. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh so do you get we're going to stay on this nervousness thing. So do you get nervous before a performance? Like if you were on stage or, I mean, like, maybe not so much the subway performances, but, you know, when you're um, on stage with Smokey Robinson or Quincy Jones.
1: Usually, no, because of the preparation. Once I got to the stage where I was performing with them, and not that I don't get nervous, I, I found that the more prepared I am, the less nervous I am. Yeah. But also, if it's... It wasn't just me. If there's a if there's a community of people that... that um. we're just we're having fun on stage yeah then then i can i think if i focus then on the community of people that i'm on stage with then i'm less nervous actually so usually if i'm on a stage with with that's a kind of a high stakes stage right then 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 the audience of strangers actually they do make me nervous and the people that i know on stage actually help calm me down
0: yeah that makes sense so, has there ever been? Is there like any sort of crazy story of something that's happened during a performance?
1: Yeah. So, actually, I was just telling my students this yesterday. Yeah. So, I was, I was playing. I was playing a concert, and I was the concert master of the orchestra. I was the lead violinist, and um, it was a small chamber orchestra. So, not only was I the concert master, there was there was only one player per part in the orchestra. And um, in the climax of the piece, my bow, sl- not only did it slip out of my hand, oh, no. it fell under the chair of the person sitting next to me. Oh. And so it's the climax of the piece, and I'm the right. lead violinist. So my part is the theme. And so I had to get my bow underneath <laughs> a chair during the concert on the stage
0: oh my gosh so I mean how did that turn out
1: well I'm still I'm- traumatized but I but I, I caught up I got the bow I mean in that kind of moment it's just kind of adrenaline you know? yeah I got I got the bow I put it back in my hand and I kept going you know, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. only now emotionally traumatized by that now. Right. In, that, in the moment, it was just like, oh no, get the bow yeah. and keep playing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> funny.
1: That's funny. now I probably need a therapist when I think about that. But um. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it, but it worked out fine. It worked yeah. out fine. Yeah. And I'm sure the audience thought it was hilarious. You know. Uh, so right. They, it was way better for them.
0: Well, I mean, stuff happens. Like, stuff happens outside of our circumstances. It's not like you intentionally
1: dropped your bow. Yeah, and that's let, like a performance. You know, in a live performance, anything can happen. Yes. I was actually in, when I was I was playing in an orchestra in Costa Rica, and it was just a, a family concert, a kind of a casual family concert. And while we're playing, um, there, was, there were a lot of wild dogs in the country. Uh-huh. And while we're playing, a wild dog comes up on the stage oh, yeah. and starts wandering around the orchestra while uh-huh. we're playing. And it was hilarious, because most people would just thought it was, like, really cute, but um, I'm actually afraid of most animals. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was like, okay, keep playing, and just try to let your fear of dogs subside. But um, but that was actually more, that's also a fun memory.
0: But yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. So, David, I want to ask you, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in, you know, if whether it be, like... They're a singer, uh, you know. They want to be a violinist, whatever it is. They, what would you? What advice would you
1: give them? That's a good question. Um, a couple things come to mind. Um, the first, thing that, the first thing that popped into my mind was um, find a really great mentor and do whatever they tell you to do. Yeah. Um, that's the first thing that came to mind. But the second thing that comes to mind is don't. If, if this is something you really want to do, don't ever give up. I really, I really feel that the existence of YouTube really has taught me so much about the music industry because what I learned from YouTube is that um, every person has an audience out there. And YouTube, YouTube can be unforgiving, but it can mm-hmm. also be forgiving. Right. Because on the same post that someone, maybe like a troll comes in and says, hey, like you suck. There's, that video might have a hundred views, a thousand views, ten thousand views, fifty thousand views. And I realized that every every artist has an audience. And I think if people can realize that, 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 that their art, there are people in the world that, that want to enjoy their art. And, and all you, not all you have to do, but then your task as well as an artist is finding that, finding that tribe, finding your tribe. So yes f- find a mentor do do whatever they tell you to do and 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 keep going and don't ever give up um, because there are people out there who 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 need your art who for them your art is is the thing that's going to get them through the day because even just today even just this morning, literally before coming on this podcast show. I was playing, and this woman came up came up to me, and she said, "Your music is just what I needed this morning.
0: Aww. that i yeah, I mean, you know music is i just I love it, and it can there are days that that's all i that's all I need. I just need to turn on you know my favorite band, and it and it could be it changes every day." Um, but it can it can it can change the way your day goes by just hearing a song. Um, I want I wanted to mention, um, and I don't know how how to say this. Um, so you're the founder of Ziryab, is that right? Ventures.
1: <laughs> Zir Ziryab Ventures. Yep. Z- Ziryab. And I call it. I pronounce it Zir Yab. zer Yab. Okay. Yep. So Zeria Ventures. And so basically, it's a it's like an incubator think tank for young entrepreneurs. Right. And so I have had the opportunity to to mentor a lot of high school entrepreneurs. So I've I've been invited to speak at these high school incubators Mm -hmm. in, in Boston in Philadelphia, San Francisco. And then actually this summer. I got to help start one in the country of Cyprus. Oh wow! And, and which was amazing. But um, what I what what started happening in, in each and every one of these places, these high school students would say, "Hey, we want to continue our business and we want to continue working with you." Yeah. And so I said, "Okay, sure." And I was working with all these different high school startups, um, and I thought I should create an entity and call it something. Yeah. And and so I started just searching around and I found this this guy I'm I'm not sure what century he's from the 13th century or the 8th century Ziryab. yeah and he was a musician from back in the day somewhere in maybe North Africa or somewhere in the Arabian Peninsula and he was I think he might have been Black, like a black, uh, maybe black skin in a sense. Yeah. And so so not only was he was a musician, not only was he black, but also he was known to be basically an innovator. So he made innovations in fashion and food. And so basically he was this kind of this think tank accelerator before that word was a thing. Right. Of of so many industries as a musician. And so I thought, I'm going to, I want to call my accelerator think tank program. I want to name it after him because here's a musician who during his time was able to really accelerate a lot of innovation in a lot of different fields. And so that's the inspiration for, for this, for this new entity that I've I love
0: that. That's, I, I love that story behind the name. That's very cool. Uh, so I did want to, I wanted to mention too, that let's talk a little bit about ambitious adventures. And so you're a producer, of the tv show so that's um again uh brandon adams and
1: yes. um yeah so yeah ambitious yeah. adventures so i have so many as you can tell in this <laughs> podcast so many so many intersections mm-hmm. so many interests and i I've, I've loved film and television my whole life i remember being in high school and there was some report of the average number of hours that average kid watches, and everyone's like appalled by this average number. And I saw the number, and I thought, oh no, I watch more than that. <laughs> and uh. So I watched so so much TV, so many movies, and um, but it's also just turned into a love for wanting to be in that industry. Yeah. And w- one of the things that I've learned over over the years is is how to connect with people. So, like I said, my, my parents immigrated to the United States. And search the American search the American dream, and so because my parents weren 't Americans, my parents couldn 't really teach me and my siblings how to be Americans and so my father always told us to observe people and and see how they interact and see how they do things mm-hmm. and that really gave me a framework yeah. to not only learning about people but also learning how to meet people and so my associate kind of my associate producer um, hat for ambitious adventures was connecting the the show to people within my network that were interested in being on the show or supporting the show or funding the show mm-hmm. and so that was really interesting to realize, hey, I could work on a TV show and be an associate producer and not necessarily know much about film, but use something that I know about networking or meeting people and connect my network um, to as a resource to this other entity that I'm interested in film
0: right. Oh, very cool. So um, we're going to start to wrap up here, but before we do that, I want to um, talk a little bit about your book. So Show Up. Show Up. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so Show Up, Unlocking the Power of Relational Networking uh, just debuted this year, and it debuted number one internationally on Amazon. And it's actually in the same vein of what we're talking about. It's basically a book of, How, what I've learned over the years of how to meet people. So I graduated from the New England Conservatory of Music Mm -hmm. in 2012 um, with this um, degree. It was a brand new degree at the intersection of music and Mm -hmm. social justice. And I was on a full scholarship. Mm -hmm. And they paid my rent. They flew me around the world to look at examples of how music was being used, Um, in the social justice arena. But when I graduated, the the last check for my rent and all my bills, also that arrived as well. And so I found myself with this desire to start this youth orchestra, but I had no money. And so actually I started sleeping behind the aquarium in Boston, and in the day I would meet with millionaires and billionaires, and I would get on my bike and I would just meet people. And I would just share my vision with the, about the orchestra, and I would say, hey, I want to start this orchestra, who should I talk to? And they said, that's a wild idea. There's this person in Boston, you should meet them. So I started just meeting all these people, and I started like sharing my vision. I went to Berkeley College of Music, and I said, hey, you have a cello. If you go to Berkeley, you must have another cello if you're a music student. And within a month, we had 28 donated instruments. And I shared my vision for this, this, this idea of music for social justice and this orchestra with other musicians. Yeah. And I said, hey, I have no money. Um, I'm starting next month. Can you teach with me for free? And five people said, sure, well, I'll teach with you for free. And so from, from these stories of basically getting these resources through relationships, I wrote this book, Show Up. Unlocking the Power of Relational Networking, um, just to really kind of share with the world that um, I think think a lot of times it's very easy for us to come up with excuses of why we can't do things. Mm -hmm. And um, in my life, rather than say I can't, I've really found a way over the hurdles. And so Show Up is my first book, really showing how I, I leveraged the relationships in my life to to help me move towards my dreams, and how anyone else can do that as well.
0: Right. And, and so you've created a mastermind kind of as an offshoot, right?
1: Yes. So based on the principles of the book, Show Up, mm-hmm. I am creating a mastermind, helping people to show up in their life in their own way using the principles that I lay out in the book. And so that's coming in 2018 as well
0: very cool so what is what is the best way to connect with you
1: best way um my website david france violin.com uh, my email david france violin oh sorry david france com is my website david france violin at gmail is my website um and so you know, facebook my website um tw- on twitter I'm, I'm very I'm very Googleable. Googleable, and so, um, that's a word. <laughs> so I think I think my whole life is on Google. Um, so so is it love... everyone's? <laughs> I know. I think, I think we about, all are. A little bit more of my life is on, yeah. on Google. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, I'd love to connect. I I really love like actually my my motto is give your life away, and I really love coming alongside the dreams of other people who. Yeah who are dreamers. And so anyone that wants to reach out, I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to, to get to know what you're working on and seeing how I can help.
0: Yeah. And I love that motto. That's, that's fantastic. So David, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on here. I, like I've learned so much and just love everything. It was, again, it was fantastic meeting you in LA a couple weeks ago. And I truly look forward to us, you know, staying in touch and hopefully, uh, running into each other again
1: soon no thank you again aaron this has been so much fun and um i do look forward to the future as well thank you again
0: yeah well thank you for being on here and thank you everybody for listening to talk music to me may all your favorite bands stay together